0: to approach the mystery of being a disciple of following Jesus we need to recognize first before anything else that the the mission and the life of Jesus defies explanation we like to try to fit this into a normal category of how we understand religion how we understand god you know, we, we, we want to sort of package Jesus into this mold where he is a good moral teacher and salvation is just a matter of following the good moral teachings. Or, or we like to think of God as being someone who just comes to die on the cross, forgive us of our sins, and we live happily ever after. But at the core of the story is something which clashes so much with our way of understanding the world that the temptation is to just ignore it pretend it's not there now in previous episodes i have tried to speak about this idea of discipleship looking at the fact that the the three main desires that the world says we should let run free uh sex money and power and i tried to compare that with the fact that the spiritual tradition particularly through religious life, has always recognized that we need to be trained or or healed in these desires. And it's done that through living the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. You know, the complete opposite. And trying to recognize the fact that there is something in these three elements of our life which really cut to the core of who we are. And so in terms of what needs to be redeemed, but also what it means to follow Christ, it means that we have to follow him in these areas. Now, in the last episode, I tried to break this open looking at the whole idea of obedience and and the fact that obedience is about learning to trust the Father, learning to surrender our will and our desires to God. I wanted to try to look, I suppose, at the negative side of this now, at power. You know, if if obedience is the way that this is redeemed, where is the place which needs to be healed? Ever since the beginning of the Bible, the, the, the beginning of the Garden of Eden, we know that there was a struggle over power. God creates Adam and Eve in his own likeness. He bestows upon them the whole world as their inheritance, but they want more. They want to be like God, but without God. You know, they they want the throne. They want to push God off and pretend that he never existed. And as soon as there is that grasping for power, we know that 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 battle is played out ever since in humanity. It's played out between nations, between husband and wife, between children. Everyone is trying to step on someone else to get to the top. When we start to look at the ministry of Jesus, we see that at the core of this is a a huge mystery, a very uncomfortable mystery. St. Paul, in the letter to the Philippians, explains this so beautifully in chapter 2, where he says says about Jesus, saying, though he was God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped. And so he emptied himself. He became a human being. But then having become human, he emptied himself even further unto death upon the cross. And only then at that point does God raise him up and and exalt him to be higher than every other nation and kingdom and empire that all people will bow down before him and worship. What Paul is really trying to break open here is something that's at the core of God's salvation of the world. God saves the world by becoming nothing. We have always expected or at least desired that God would come into the world, show the power of his arm and kill all the bad people and redeem everything, make us live happily ever after. And yet the problem is that there is no distinction between good people and bad people. The dividing line between good and evil runs through the middle of every human heart. And so he cannot remove evil from the world without removing us from existence. And so instead, God God brings an unexpected remedy. God heals the evil and the violence of the world by entering into complete helplessness he becomes weak he allows himself to be stepped on and in that place there becomes a space where heaven enters into earth this becomes even more challenging in the fact that this was not just Jesus doing it for us But he calls us to go where he has gone. And and this is is the core of what St. Paul says. St. Paul says, you know, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. So St. Paul is saying very clearly, if you want to be a disciple, you have to have the same mindset that Christ had. You need to abandon power, the grasping, the fighting to be in control, to to be above somebody else. And you've got to choose to actually go the other direction, to abandon the desire to be all powerful, all knowing, all in control like God is, and become helpless, to become weak, And to lower yourself even unto the point of death. Now Paul is suggesting that that is the way of the Christian. That this is something of the way that we we unite ourselves with Christ to bring heaven to earth. Now if we look through the history of the church, we would have to admit that we have done this badly. Almost in every generation, there has been some elements of our church which has tried to Adopt all the power and all the splendor of the world. We've tried to surround ourselves with the appearance or the glory of, of, of an empire. And the times when we've done that, things have not gone too well. But then at the same time, we've seen that in every generation, the spirit of God has stirred the hearts of his saints, ordinary people who have felt called to lower themselves. To imitate Christ, people like Francis of Assisi, who though he was wealthy and comfortable and and living very much a life of pride, he chose to strip it all off and become a beggar on the street. He then brought peace and the beauty of heaven into his world in, in a way that the glory of the church never did. You know, the image of the Pope at the time seeing this poor beggar holding up the church that was collapsing. It's a beautiful image of what it looks like when we actually abandon the grasping for power and enter into that self-emptying of Christ. The challenge here is, what does this look like for the ordinary person in the world? You know, within the religious order... There are all sorts of expectations around how you live this vow, that you would humble yourself, that you would see yourself as being someone who is not seeking greatness or position or power. At least that's the intention. Once again, in religious orders, that's never quite played out the way it should have done. But I think this is the challenge that for an average lay person in family, in the workplace, how do you take upon yourself that self-empting of Christ? Now this doesn't necessarily mean that we ask for a demotion at work, you know, to, to go down the, the corporate ladder, but rather I think it's more about the attitude of the heart, that you can be in a position where you have responsibility and authority, you can lord it over people, Or you can see yourself as being simply a poor beggar who's helping other people find food. You know, that that your attitude of heart is that you're not greater than anyone else. You've just been put in a place of responsibility to help others who are as weak and helpless as you are. It's an enormous mind shift. And I think it really begins by us meditating upon the cross The cross needs to be at the center of our prayer because that's where we are called to follow. We can be so easily tempted to jump straight to the resurrection and the triumph and the glory and start acting in that way in the world here without ever actually passing through the cross. We need to become a humble people. We need to become a people who listen to the call of God Because we have stepped off the throne. We've allowed God to be the king of our lives. And we've placed ourselves in that that place of self-emptying, that place of littleness, where we know who we are. But we do this very much trusting that it is through humility that we will be elevated and raised up. As Mary says in the Magnificat, that God has pulled down the mighty from their thrones and he has raised up the lowly. We are being called to a place of obedience where we step away from that that burning need for power, for control, for domination. And we're able to now see ourselves in the truth of who we are. Not trying to destroy the image of God and make ourselves looking terrible and stupid, but simply simply just acknowledging I am weak, you know, I am frail, and only only God can raise me up. If we can take that path of following Jesus, the one who is the way, if we can imitate him in our ordinary daily life, that's where we're going to bring something of the beauty of the kingdom of God into our, our world.